When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks, and today's episode features Jambi McGrath. She's a comedian, author, and political commentator, and she does a fair bit of political commentating in this episode, sharing her opinions on topics such as immigration, race, colonialism, and the abuse of power. It was really interesting. She's brilliantly eloquent and passionate, and uh, yeah, I think it makes her an interesting listen. And it, you know, it's nice to have a bit of balance between the silly nonsense we often come out with and you know it's nice to put out some well thought through viewpoints obviously it's just Jambi's viewpoints which are well thought out mine were just the usual averagely thought out viewpoints but yeah I hope you enjoy this episode uh, what else have we got on the horizon? Well, we are once again part of the Cheerful Earful podcast festival that's coming up in November, which is still a fair way away, but uh, we were hoping to announce our guest for that very soon. But you can buy tickets already. They're only £8, I think, which is a bargain for an evening of entertainment. And there's some other really good podcasts on that night as well. So uh, you might as well go and watch all three. Um, you can find out more at cheerfulearful.co.uk or just Google Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival on the Google. As ever, thank you to everyone who's downloaded this and who is listening. And uh, yeah, if you subscribe and leave us a rating, then even better. But we love you even if you don't. Just tell your friends instead and uh, spread the word that way. The old-fashioned way. I am, I'm babbling a little bit, so I'm just going to stop and let's get into this episode. It's Jambi McGrath on Desert Island Dicks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, writer and political commentator Jambi McGrath. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Good. I know you said earlier that you've been travelling a lot and very busy, so I hope you're not too frazzled from all of that. <laughs> no, I'm calm and collected. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe talking about the people and things you'd hate to be stuck on an island with. I don't know if that will help de-stress you or make you more stressed. Only time will tell. I mean, are you somebody who finds it quite easy to kind of rant about things that annoy you? Yeah. So easy. Oh, man, I like talking about things that annoy me. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this sounds perfect. I mean, because the thing is, it's a lovely sunny day. I feel like it's it's quite an optimistic kind of feeling day. So, you know, sometimes it can be a challenge, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. So let's, let's get stuck into it. Your plane has crashed. Uh, who's going to be the first person joining you on the desert island? Anne Widdicombe. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, Anne Widdicombe. I'd sort of forgotten about her for mm. a while. Um, I mean, she's obviously still around. What's what's your particular beef with Anne Widdicombe? I mean, well, pick any. There's lots to choose from. Years ago, she held a position in government. And uh, basically, she had women um, 
in prison, prisoners uh, who were pregnant, chained to the bed whilst they were giving birth. And mm. uh, <laughs> and obviously that that is the most horrific thing a woman can do to another woman. You know, when when the, a woman is at her most vulnerable position, and for another woman to oversee something so horrific as that. But I feel that she, I I don't know. There's just something about her that is anti-feminist. And what is interesting is that years and years and years years later, I, I got a phone call from my daughter's school, and they said your daughter has just walked out of school. And I was like, whoa, why? I mean, she, that's that's so unlike her. So I called her and she said, I've walked out of school because uh, Anne Widdicombe is coming to a school to give a lecture on feminism. And I was like, good girl. <laughs> well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's so mad, isn't it? I mean, apart from just being like an incredibly cruel thing to do, it's like, Okay, so Anne, let's say that these are the most dangerous people in the world and they're in prison and they're pregnant. If they're ever going to try and break out of jail, it's not going to be then. Like, you know, (laughs) let's just say they managed to get out of the cell whilst in labour. I think you're going to be able to catch them again. (laughs) Yeah, it's just so incredible. And you you, you get women like this. And and I know we are only supposed to say one, but uh, seriously, we've seen several other women start to come through. Because, like, we wait for diversity for so long. And then it comes along in the form of the worst kind of advocate for women. Uh, and even ethnic minorities. So you see Suela Braverman. She's come into government and she uses her power not to empower women, not to empower diversity, not to empower, but to distract, to, to enable the destructive side of patriarchy and enforce racist ideologies so I would say, like, if I was stuck on an island with either of them, I'm, yeah, I, I would jump off the cliff. Yeah, I mean, you can you can pick Suella Braverman if you want her to be one of your choices. I don't know. Or, or have you got a couple others in, in the bag that you want to save spaces for? I I, th- I think let's, yeah, I've got a couple of others, but I think currently Suella Braverman is easily the worst kind of human being. Um, she fled, her family fled Kenya in the 1960s or whatever, because there was a huge upheaval. I don't know if you know about the, the history of the Asians in Kenya. So the Asians were uh, part of uh, the British colonial project. They were brought to Kenya to be artisans because the British did not want Africans to do anything that would enrich in their lives. So the British saw Africans as subhuman uh, machines for labor. That's how the British so um, my people. And um, they brought the Asians, and when they brought the Asians, what they did to them is they coached them on how to treat Africans. Um, they said, you cannot treat Africans with any degree of humanity because they're not human, and this is how you treat uh, humans. So basically the British were the best people, and then the Asians were the next good thing. And then the Africans were just the <coughs> horrific vomit at the bottom. So as a child growing up, I saw Asians really mistreat Africans. And because of the history of Kenya, when the British left Kenya, the Asians were like, oopsie. Now this guy is who we like really mistreated and caned and whipped and vomited all over them. are not going to be in charge. And the British saw the problem. They were like, okay, guys, if you want to flee, you can apply for British passports. 
because if you feel unsafe, great, apply for a British passport. And that's how they left because they they felt unsafe because of the horrors they had unleashed on Kenyans. Unfortunately, some of them took that with them. And you can actually see it manifested in the attitude that we are seeing towards particularly black people, towards immigrants. So Labravman said that her her dream, her future aspirations, the thing that will make her the happiest person on earth is to see distraught, tortured, um, quashed, broken human beings being deported to Rwanda. That's basically her dream. So I dream of having, I don't know, one of a comedy special in Hollywood or something like that. Her dream (laughs) is to see a Syrian refugee who has been traumatized by watching his whole entire family butchered to death. Her dream is to watch this Syrian boy being deported to Rwanda. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And just the way that she's just sort of coming out with this and there isn't even more outcry about it. You know, like I I just, I saw the other day a load of people protesting about the ultra low emissions charge on the road and they're all like round and round about with signs being like, we don't want the ULEZ around here. Like, I want to keep driving my car. And I was like, is this the best use of your weekend right now? Like, you know, I'm all for sort of like mobilization and and protest, but like, have you read the fucking newspapers recently? Do you know, you don't even have rights anymore. You will never be able to protest anymore. You will not be Mm. able to use the NHS anymore. They have destroyed the country, Uh, but Mm. it's you, Les. (laughs) It's mad, isn't it? It's so strange. Yeah, I think... um, so well, a brave man, because I, I was saying on this podcast the other day, like we used to get pretty Patel, we used to get chosen quite a lot for obvious reasons. Yeah. And now she seems like, oh God, replace her, you know, put her back in again. And it's, it's, it's so strange with the government, how often that happens where you kind of go, oh God, imagine David Cameron back again. And I hate him. <laughs> like, seems like, oh man, like, remember those days? Those were the good old days. The good old days where we just had like the equality gap widening and like, you know, people getting poorer. But, you know, at least we kind of hid the racist ideologies a tiny bit, you know. But now they've got someone brown to basically enforce the whole thing. And there is no way a white person will be able to implement what she has implemented. Mm. No way. I wonder sometimes if it's like being a person of colour in the Conservative Party. I wonder if they sort of I wonder if she sort of feels like she has to go even further to kind of go like, but it's all right, I'm still one of you. Yeah, oh, watch me, guys. I am so nasty. Watch me do even more nastier things. And and this is it, because the only way it seems that a black person can ascend anywhere or, or a person of colour can ascend anywhere is by towing the fascist, the right-wing uh, line. It's, mm. It seems to be... But that's not diversity at all. Because mm. diversity isn't recognizing that other people have, you know, are humans, you know, they have value. But so, so she has come there to further the agenda of racism. Mm. Okay. We started off talking about Anne Widdicombe and obviously she definitely has a place there. Now, I think we've made such a good case. Well, you've made such a good case for um, Suella Braveman going on the island. Do you think, are we going to put them both on do you think and and get rid of one of the others or i'm just thinking maybe you know maybe we could have a bit of a loophole here and have suella braveman but Anne widdicombe as a sort of um 
you know, like how a vampire has a familiar, yeah, yeah. like a sort of little mascot for her. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll allow that as a loophole, okay. shall we? I, I think, I think uh, uh, Anne Widdicombe uh, will be overshadowed and therefore she will be the, the mascot for Oswella Braverman. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to make an exception because they're such great choices <laughs> okay. and I hate them both. <laughs> um, who's the second person going to be on the island? It has to be Piers Morgan. Mm, great. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, it has to be Piers Morgan. He's a big screaming baby, Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and, and it's interesting, though, because, like, Piers has had it all, <laughs> you know, mm. a white man mm. who basically has a voice. He has everything that anyone could ask for, you know, career in America, career in Britain. And he chooses his voice to be the assassin of a black mother who was struggling with postnatal depression. He has persecuted Meghan Markle and Harry, Prince Harry, and I never cared about the royals at all. Never. You know, I didn't care about the royals. You know, none of that bothered me. I didn't, you know, didn't care. But I always sympathized with the underdog. And I actually bought, I felt the need to support Prince Harry. <laughs> I don't know why, but I felt the need to support him and Meghan. And so I bought um, his hardcover book. And I also bought the audio. And I can say he is just a traumatized young boy who basically had to walk behind his mother's coffin and left with no one to give him a cuddle, left with no one to to be there for him, really. And then he finds someone who is that person, that person that gives him a nice cuddle. And these have become the objects of hate for Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan gets off on mentioning Meghan Markle what could she have done to warrant such hate? I don't understand. Okay, there are people that you could hate, okay? You could hate Hitler. You could hate King Leopold II because he butchered 10 million Africans. Yeah, And I would go on every single day about King Leopold because in Belgium, they celebrate him. They've got big statues of King Leopold, the guy that butchered 10 million Africans and chopped off the hands of little children, okay? He hanged little black boys and girls in front of their parents so that he can basically make their parents work harder for him, okay? Now, that's an object of hate because he's justified. What has Meghan Markle done to warrant the hate that she gets from Piers Morgan? Hmm. Because on the one hand, we've all got people that we hate, and it can be sort of, you could hate a powerful organisation yeah. like the government or like even the royal family oh, yeah. as a whole and, you know, the monarchy and what it stands for. Or, you know, like on a trivial level, we've all watched telly and gone, oh, God, it's this guy. I hate this guy, yeah, yeah. you know. But when it's sort of hate on a sort of meaningful level of a of a, a societal problem, well, okay, well, look, this system is hurting people yeah. and it's keeping people in this sort of state and it could be better. That's this feels like there's a positive energy to that. But when it's like, oh, God, I hate this bloody keep fit person on the telly, it's like, okay, it's kind of a waste of your time, you know. <laughs> People annoy you, but change the channel. And if you're spending that much time writing articles and banging on about it, it's like, fucking hell. Like, if you don't like it, it's so easy to not not engage with that person. And the thing is that it's just, and this is where his racism comes through. Um, again, because these things are driven by racism. Mm. You know, you saw what he did. He interviewed that young prankster. He's an 18-year-old kid, okay? And there was a time when you saw a young prankster like Mizzy, up to no good, and someone would just clip him on the ear and say, go home and, you know, help your mother or something, yeah? <laughs> but Piers Morgan chooses him, this young kid, 
again, to manifest his racism, to portray black people as the same as Mizzy. And Mizzy is a kid. If The thing is, a white boy will turn up to school with a submachine gun and shoot the entire class, including a teacher, okay? And they will arrest him and they will say, oh, he's a very troubled young man. He had a hard life. At the age of five, he, his, his mother had a cold. His, his dad, um, you know, lost his job in finance. So they will have so, so much sympathy and they will almost explain the rationale behind this boy's horrific actions. Mizzy is a young black boy. He's a prankster who thinks it's funny to actually walk into somebody's home because he doesn't see the danger because he's a prankster. Now, uh, the first thing that I saw uh, when, when I saw Mizzy going into somebody's uh, home is, holy cow, they're going to call the police on you and you'll be shot dead. It's not a prank, Mizzy. This is dangerous shit, okay? You know, this is it. He's a kid. But Piers Morgan chooses him to put him on a platform so that he can desecrate the image of black people, okay? So his racism cannot hide itself. He's there again and mm. again looking for easy targets. Like, how bad is Piers Morgan's career going for him to spend all his time looking for people like Mizzy? You know, Pizzi is just a kid who is a prankster. Yeah, and it's also just the sort of going, well, well, I've seen this person. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a bloody good telling off in front of lots of people. And you think, but you're you're a meaningless person. Like why why do you have any weight at all? It's like there's no point. And then and then just loads of people tuning in so they can watch him giving them a bloody good telling off, like I would I would do as well. And you think, what is this fucking cycle of like you know, I just, there's so much to be angry about. And, yeah. I, you know, to the point where mm-hmm. I often just have to kind of opt out of things for a bit and sort of reset. And I think when you get to that point, it's like on Twitter or something. Sometimes, you know, if you if there's someone you hate and then there's a pile on, you go, ha ha, they've been found out. And then I'm like, what am I, what am I looking at here? You know, it's like watching a fight or something. But I just think that Piers Morgan audience, I don't know what you get out of it because it only makes you more angry. I just don't have time for that kind of thing anymore. I mean, not that I ever had time for Piers Morgan, but you know, that kind of circle of just anger. It's so, it's such a waste of time. But, but the thing is, I mean, he has been, um, I think the editor of the Daily Mirror, he has been had a show in America. He has had so I, I don't, and this is what I don't understand. What is lacking in your life, Piers, that would just make you concentrate on hate rather than just you're a successful person? I can understand people using hate. You know, pe- people like you know Katie Hopkins who've got nothing going for them. So hate is the only thing that they can give. Yeah, but Piers Morgan, what is it that could have put you in a place that now you're only ever going to be remembered because of the hate that yeah. you give? I don't get it. Yeah, well, it's important for him to continue having a platform so he can say that it's impossible to say anything and have no platform these days. <laughs> you know? I, I know, this is it. He has a platform. He's like, oh, my God, white men have got no platform anymore. Yeah. Are you yeah. sure? Are you sure? I don't know. I would say as a white man, it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, okay, well, we've got two, well, two, two and a half very good choices so far. So uh, who's going to be the final person joining you on the island? Um, I think it has to be... Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. Okay. So we'll, we'll reanimate him for you. So he's alive and well. Alive and well. Yeah. Um, 
is he dead already? Uh, well, I, thing is, it's, it's funny how these people magically die. <laughs> you know, I'm convinced he's not dead. I'm convinced he's in some island somewhere. <laughs> you know, um, well, he is uh, the worst kind of human, really. The worst kind of human that um, has destroyed people when they were children, you know, for his own personal gain because he used it as leverage. Um, he... Um, and it's the the Jeffrey Epstein case is is really interesting <laughs> uh, because um, yes we know he had an island and in this island he had clients to come and abuse and molest his children so he was a, quite a, a horrific person but no one else <laughs> has gone down for it no one else mm-hmm. just Jeffrey Epstein Jeffrey Epstein and, and obviously Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, so these these are the people that that did that, but no one is interested in the other abusers, which is so weird. Yeah, but what you have to understand is they were very rich, so it's fine. They, well, this is it because when you commit a crime, if you're poor, you're going down. If you're an immigrant, you're getting deported. If you're white, you get a statue. I wonder how long it will be before they have a statue of Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so he, I mean, he's quite a horrendous person. He was quite a horrendous person. He may still be alive. They said, well, I don't believe that he's dead. And I know that sounds like a conspiracy theory. But it's just so convenient how these people suddenly just die and that's it, the story dies. It's also quite annoying when it happens and like you can't do the whole process of the law against them either. It's like, ah. And it's how people on Twitter said, I wonder how long he'll be before he dies. So on Twitter, and then, oops, see, he's dead. Yes, I would say he's quite a vile person because these are people who exist purely to exploit others. They're like ticks, you know? A tick Mm. basically only survives, a parasite only survives by feeding off you. You know, so he's feeding off the worst, in the the worst possible way, ruining people's lives. And you know, these people will never be normal again. You know, once someone has done that to you, you can never, ever find a place of normality because this you're scared you know yeah yeah definitely and part of me just thinks that Piers Morgan's gonna have a whale of a time with with Jeffrey Epstein (laughs) just sort of just in terms of like because he'll see he'll see the power and wealth and it won't matter what else he's done he's just gonna be attracted to that you know oh yeah yeah Um, absolutely Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. Well, you have done a superb job so far of picking the worst people for the island. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna change tack slightly uh, because Jambi, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they, and why are they so bad? Oh man, you know what? Like anything that is slimy, like. When I was a child, my brothers and sisters, to make each other feel sick, we used to, uh, when somebody was eating, you used to just like ruin their enjoyment of food by telling them, can you imagine eating a snail and it's, you're <laughs> chewing it and it's slimy all over your mouth and it's falling out of your mouth. <laughs> and I've never been able to get that image out of my head. So for me, the worst food would be a, a snail 
or a slug. And I know like some countries, like I think the French eat snails. Uh, there are some places in West Africa, mm -hmm. people, oh, even the thought of it makes me feel, feel absolutely sick. So anything that would contain snails for me would be it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think in Morocco as well, they, they have like soup with snails in and stuff. And um, I've tried it. It's not that, like, I would say they're not too slimy at that point. But um, just, yeah, the idea. Oh, you tried is, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it a go. And it's quite nice. What do they taste like? You know what? I think it's one of those things. I reckon most of these things probably come about that people are desperate and then they cook something nice to go. Like, so the French snails, yeah. you know, it's such a strong garlicky sauce. It's almost like you've got no idea what you're eating. You know, it's like you might as well be having mussels or anything you know because i think the thing right. itself doesn't have much flavor really it's just the sauce is really good and the moroccan one i tried is like a really rich sort of soup with like cinnamon and things like that and then you've just got these little things in it so it's not neither of them are like whoa this is a punchy flavor you know but now and again you kind of look at what you're eating and be like fucking hell yeah <laughs> yeah. So, yeah so something like that for me would be like no no yeah it's funny how these things become sort of delicacies. I don't think anyone was going, wow, look, we've got this lovely lamb over there that we could slow cook with lots of herbs and spices and some potatoes and stuff. Or like, you know what, though? I'm just going to go for those snails under the rock. You know? <laughs> it's like, so I guess the cooking has to be good around it because you've got to make that thing palatable. But yeah, if you're just trying to exist on, on snails, I can see that might be a tricky a tricky one. And what would you try and uh, wash it down with? Oh, God. Um... I remember a long time ago, um, going to see my friend and uh, I was a bit late. I can't remember where I was and they were um, already drunk. And you know, like how you want to catch up with the drunkness of everybody else. Mm. And uh, I think it was cider and black or something like that. And I drank it too quickly. <laughs> and oh my God. Oh man, that just like hit me in the bad spot. Like, ah, uh, <laughs> I had hangover for days and days and days. Um, and I remember waking up the following morning just wanting to die from, <laughs> yeah, just, oh, man. A cider hangover is, is a powerful thing. Oh, seriously, you wake up in the morning and you think, God, I can't wait for tonight because by tonight I hope I'll be feeling better. And, oh, it's grotesque. Yeah, so awful. <laughs> I remember going to a bar in Bristol once. It was like a cider bar, and all the all the cider was incredibly this sort of flat, strong kind of opaque cider, you know. And it, I remember it being really good, but just so quickly getting out of control oh, yeah. with it, and like just one of those where you're, you know, you're lying on the floor but holding on. I, I, it's yeah. just too oh, much. Yeah, sometimes you just like, I, I seriously, I just want to die now. <laughs> and this is. Yeah. <laughs> I think because it's like quite acidic as well, that obviously adds something to it, you know, because it's sort of, you can just feel it in you, like that acidic yeah. feeling from the night before as well. Oh, it's so gruesome. Oh, my God. I mean, because otherwise cider could be quite a nice thing on a, on a hot island if it was nice and cold. But I mean, yeah, just like a warm cider and black. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, seriously? Yeah, that, that memory is just still there. I can even almost feel it at the back of my throat. You know? And how long ago was it when, when this happened? Oh, years ago. <laughs> years ago. So it's, it's one of those things that, and I've never drunk it again, but it's just one of these, I don't know, it's the combination. Of, I don't know. Maybe I hadn't even eaten whatever, but that, that was a very, very bad feeling. But you just wake up in the morning and you think, what the hell did I drink? Hmm. Oh, that was nasty. <laughs>
It's weird because so many kids in this country start off their drinking careers with cider yeah, as well. I know. But then it means their first hangovers are cider hangovers. But I guess it sort of bounces off you a bit more when you're really young. But also you're not allowed to show it either. So you'd be really hungover, but you're not allowed to have been drunk. So you can't sort of roll up to your house and go, oh, yeah. God, I was really hammered last night. And also because it's really cheap and you get a large bottle of it. Yeah. I guess the good thing is if you're a teenager, then no one no one notices if you're just sat in a dark room watching telly all day. It's like... Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That that's that's like I've had bad hangovers in my time, but that was just like grotesque. So hideous. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Okay. Um, I found these two actually really hard, but Mm -hmm. I had to do a research project and one of the uh, people suggested that I go and watch this this French film. It was two hours, indulgent, just boring. And I had to stay awake and watch the whole of it because it was for, for, for I don't know if I, I can't even remember the name of the film, but it was just horrific. And I had to sit there for two hours. And then afterwards I had to chat to the director <laughs> and pretend that it was great. It was so creative. Man, that was just, I was like, that's two hours I'll never get back. You know, two hours of my life that I will never get back. So, you know, like when a film is so indulgent that it just goes on and on and just like show us some action, you know? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know a great deal about filmmaking, but sometimes if something feels too indulgent, um, it just is so off-putting and uh, it just felt mm. like... Uh, torture (laughs) just sitting there and just have to watch this horrific film i mean it wasn't even nothing even happens it was just like some indulgent bs that i could not even figure out what was going on (laughs) Uh, yeah it was insane it's funny when i was when i was doing my a level i did french a level and um I remember my mum, because I was really unenthusiastic about it, and I just wasn't studying very hard. And my mum was trying to get me interested, and she kept getting films out from the video shop like, in French. And I don't know what it was, like, because obviously there are good French films. So there's loads of really funny ones. Like One of my favourite films is a French film. But I don't know if it was just the selection at the time where we lived. It was like, oh, the sort of people who get French films out of this tiny little blockbuster video, they like the pretentious ones. So all of them <laughs> would just be so sort of... like Yeah, like you say, like nothing would happen. They'd be really kind of self-indulgent. And I was like 17, just going, this is not encouraging me. Yeah. you know. Yeah, and then yeah. later on, you're like, oh, right, here's all the good normal French cinema that's just like a normal film but in yeah, French yeah. that I could yeah. watch but it was yeah. I think the selection was just like for the arty people of Leicester in the, <laughs> where I lived you know and the thing is that it's all the people afterwards are like oh, 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 oh delightful film it's like was it really mm. was it or do you just have to say that oh uh, man yeah that, that was just too much that was cringe yeah yeah I hate the feeling of being like when you see a film that you find kind of a bit pretentious and annoying and everyone else is really going on about how great it is and mm-hmm. and, and it's like I don't know I don't know if you really do or if you just feel you have to but also like you kind of feel like you're the stupid one because 
<laughs> or, or you feel like they are thinking you're the idiot who didn't get it. It's like, yeah. oh, was it too complicated for you? Or was it too deep or something? You're like, no, I just thought it was shit. And the thing is, you know, is when they, they take something and they labor on about that thing. It was about this woman who got some cancer or something and she decided to go and die in, um, in the mountains somewhere. And it's just hard and just, you know, just going on and on. And it was just so indulgent. I'm like, just tell us the freaking story. Mm. You know, just tell us the story. Oh, you know, yeah. oh man, that was painful. And it just feels like, why Why did we have to wait for two hours just for you to tell us that, yes, you know, she died, you know? I also think things like that, it's like, I don't know the backstory, obviously, so I could be very, very wrong. Like, I've known lots of people who've had cancer, and it's never been a beautiful experience. I'm sure that all of us kind of think, oh, if I was to get this diagnosis, I want to live my life like this and blah, blah, blah. But when it happens, it's it's grueling and it's brutal and it's often slow and it's not fun. And, you know, for anyone involved, and I don't think anyone is just going, do you know what? I'm going to skip off to the mountains and do (laughs) something meaningful. It's like... You're like, I'm trying to get through my normal daily life whilst taking a million pills and feeling like shit and being scared. It's just just, just so pretentious. And I, yeah, I just found like, why am I here? Uh, seriously? Like, you would not pay me to go back there again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, fair enough. Seriously. Okay. And what would your song choice be then? Oh, my goodness. This was another hard one because I, I, I just like, I've got antennas. They just kind of tune into the music that I like, mm. um, but I guess I have ne- never really. Uh, I I don't like like graphic, dirty songs. Okay, you know what? There are some songs that you just listen to them and you think that's quite disgusting. You know, especially when they're talking about bodily fluids or just stuff like that. I'm like, uh, do you mind? You know, like that stuff that belongs to the toilet or wherever <laughs> it belongs. I don't want to hear it in a song. You know, I just don't want. I, hear it in a song mm. so i i yeah i know i sound very picky but but so i i don't like overly filthy um songs yeah just just because i think i, I don't really want to be listening to because like music is very personal you know it's in your brain so like when mm. you're walking around listening to a song and you know i don't know just you know it it, it kind of creates all these images based on the song and what I don't want to imagine is all these people with their genitalia and all of that stuff, you know? <laughs> I also think that even if it's a song that you like that's very explicitly sexual or something, it would be a really weird <laughs> thing to be trapped with on a desert island. Like, oh, yeah, put on the one about, yeah. you know, about whatever sexual act or something. If that was, like, even if you like it, it would just be a weird thing to be stuck with. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Like, um, it's it's not even the sexual, because sexual can be so romantic it can it can be so you know and you can listen to that and think oh my god that you know plays your heartstrings you know uh but some of it is like ew i don't want that in my head it's weird when you're in like a communal area like a bar or something and it's just so it's a real sign of of uh, like uh, as me getting older but i notice it so much more where i think it would have just washed over me in the past and now i'm a little bit more like this <laughs> that's on the radio yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think this is why people people get grumpy as they get older, and because I'm like thinking, how would you sit down and write a song about dripping pussy? You know, or just that's horrendous. It's a, it's a of all the things like I want to be hearing about. That's not one thing I want to be hearing about. You know. 
Yeah. Where did you get inspiration for this song? Tell us a bit more about how you came up with it. Uh, so where did you see this? And I thought, hmm, this could be the content of my song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And imagine, I mean, God, imagine putting that on and you've got Jeffrey Epstein hovering around in the background. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> horrendous. Horrendous. Okay. Well, look, you're doing such a great job of... of putting together a really horrific island and and mercifully for you we're almost at the end but before we are the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals which animal is it and why hyena 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 okay. yeah well hyena is scary because mm. you know um now i'll tell you this um i'm from a tribe in kenya called the gikoyo and uh before we were colonized we didn't we only buried very specific people when they died. So royalty. So only royalty would be buried in a fetal position. But everybody else, so if you were uh, on the verge of death, they built you a little house in the forest. And then they, you had a fire. <laughs> and they, the sick person kept the fire going. And once they died, obviously, the fire would go out. And that's when the hyenas knew to come and eat them. So wow. a, a, a hyena will eat a human being and not even a sign left that there was a, that a human being. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I have something a bit, you know, they, they, will, they will just chew you through your whole entire body and eat everything over you. So... I don't know. I'm not a great fan of hyenas. They don't look. I've seen. I've seen hyenas, and I, as I was a child, when I was a child, when um, my mother used to tell us how to walk, we mustn't swing our hands because when you're swinging your hands, a hyena might think you're carrying meat and bite your hand off. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's something about hyenas I don't like. Yeah, yeah. I I think lots of animals that can kill you are also quite sort of. You know, like if you think of like the big cats or even a shark or something, there's something quite, you know, powerful and almost sort of majestic about them. You know, like I don't even like sharks. They freak me out. But they're sort of purposeful and kind of, you know, there's a determined look about them. Whereas a hyena, there's something like they're just quite creepy. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I, there's no, there's no, they're nobody's favorite animal. I know. Even the way they walk, they, 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 they look a bit lame the way they walk. And the um, the way that they laugh, you know, their mouths are big. I don't know. Mm. And they have that sort of that sort of hunched back, that neck thing. You know, it's almost like. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a sort of normal dog shape. It's yeah. kind of they've got that weird back, yeah. like neck thing. Yeah. It's almost like the sort of horse shaped neck. Or, I don't know. It's so strange and like. Yeah. 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 They're just really scary. And, and the fact that they're scavengers, I don't like scavengers. You know. Yeah, I mean, but if if I met one in, the, I'd rather meet a meet one in the wild than say a lion. But but they're also kind of a bit freakier. Like you could imagine kind of getting along with a lion, you know, like <laughs> you know, like they look nice. They look like nice creatures. I just think hyenas are just like yeah. oh, they're oh just, like, man, creepy. Yeah. yeah, they they are evil. Mm. Okay, so yeah, well, hopefully on your island they'll take out the others first, and you know it'll give you something to watch. <laughs> they take, so. take out um, Suella Braverman and uh, Jeffrey Epstein. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, look, you've done a superb job. I mean, I just the idea of being on this island gives me the creeps. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a horrific place. Mm. So you have absolutely nailed it on, on this podcast today. Oh, and, you. Um, you know, obviously, we said at the beginning, you're a very busy person. You're up to lots of things. Uh, tell, tell people what you're up to at the minute and where they can see more of your stuff. Uh, so this weekend, I am recording uh, my second series of my Radio 4 um, a show. Um, so that will be available um, in in a couple of months. Um, then I'm going to Edinburgh. I'm going to be in Edinburgh for the festival for the whole month. I'll be there. Um, so also people can watch uh, my comedy specials. I've got several comedy specials on uh, many platforms. So that my comedy specials are on Next Up. They are on Just for Laughs. They are on Amazon Prime. They are on... YouTube movies, so you can get them on YouTube movies, so so that, I mean, you can get them across uh, platforms. And I have a new book coming out on the mm-hmm. 5th of October. I have a new book. It's my first de- uh, my debut fiction Yeah, coming out in October. So up to a lot of things, really. Yeah, very busy. And lots for people to check out, which I'm sure they will after this superb performance on Desert Island Dicks today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you so much and take care. So there you have it, another episode done. And we will be back next week with a brilliant episode featuring the one and only Ed Gamble. Yeah, I'm telling you now for a, as a reward for those of you who made it through and actually bother listening to this bit at the end because uh, I don't know how many of you do. But if you are listening, there's a little treat for you, a preview. And um, yeah, it's a great episode. Ed was on great form. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you think about it. Talking about uh, your opinions, if you've ever listened to this episode and you've thought, I wish I could tell people who and what I would hate to be stuck with on an island, you can just email us dickspod.com slash contact. And uh, when we finally get around to putting out another episode of Compact Dicks, your ideas and feelings could be a part of it. So uh, yeah, give that a go. And as ever, if you want to just get in touch and see what we're up to, give us a shout on Instagram or Twitter at dickspod and I think that's it Desert Island Dicks has been a sync clap production it was dreamt up and produced by James Deacon it was also produced and presented by me Dan Benedictus occasional editing support comes from the wonderful Chris Attaway and just general emotional support comes from the legend John Deacon not the bass player from Queen he is conspicuous by his absence not like our John Deacon though he is always there and and that's it All right, yeah, I'm done now. So uh, we'll be back with Ed Gamble next week. Listen out and bye-bye.